0: Listening to new information creates fresh connections in your brain and greater awareness. Shades of Life awakens your brain with new information through shared stories and programs from a variety of presenters, bringing multiple perspectives and adding to the whole.
1: This is Parasha, and tonight we're going to cover some of the Particular uh, comments and situations that people seem to be the most upset with, which is some of the news items on uh, my understanding is, and I don't really listen to the news beloveds, but I'm told that again, we've had another mass shooting, and questions are coming forth in the consciousness community that says, "Why is this kind of stuff going on? What's really happening, and where is humanity's uh, future in this kind of outburst?" And what are the effects and what are these effects from? So it seems to be a pretty in-depth and intense subject tonight, but I'm sure somewhere along the line we'll find something light and hearty to talk about and actually get to some better perspectives of what the world is doing. The other thing is is that we move very heartily, and I mean full-hearted, in the direction of trying to be good people, at least most of the population does. And we then have to do that by really being able to be honest with ourselves, to not be afraid of truth. We need to continue to exercise the right of education that allows us to expand our conscious acknowledgement and intelligence of what is real and what is superstition and what is in incorrect propaganda. Unfortunately, sometimes the things that we value the most, like our, our precious spiritual scriptures and so forth and on, have been actually manipulated through past powers in seats and governments as well as motivated control freaks that want to actually control mankind in a state of fear. So in a lot of cases, we've been taught the fear of God instead of the love of God. Yet when we look through our lives and all of the things that we can trip over, even when we know that what we're doing is not the most righteous thing to do,
2: There is always
1: the forgiving, ever-loving presence by whatever sacred name you want to call it. So some of the things that we were going to cover is definitely the fact that, uh, like I said, as I don't really get into news, I think it's more bad than good and probably seeds more wrong than it does make anything right. But it is media, people do thrive on it, and we all then at large have to deal with it. So very recently I guess over the last month there was a terrible shooting in Denver to where a young man kind of lost reality and went into a theater and did some pretty horrendous damage to the people there. And there were a number of deaths in that case. And then now I guess tomorrow or yesterday they had actually brought forward some information on another person who had actually went into a particular temple or a particular religious organization and begin to open fire and shoot again. This person being from what is called a hate group and obvious motives would be that they didn't believe or share the beliefs or even respect the right of someone to believe. So they would come back and like the questions we're getting is, you know, what's going on? Why is all of this violence predominant? Then you have the particular religious sectors of our world that come back with a lot of religious scriptures that also endorse and say this is the time such as this would show up. I know in the Native American perspective, there's been many prophecies that as we come to this point in evolution, and we kind of document uh, evolution at a 125,000 year measure of where mankind is from one point of that to the other. So we have what we consider the sacred geometries and things that we acknowledge from uh, historical writings and stone and papyrus and other things that uh, indigenous lineage of people in the world have that particular thing going for them. So when you when you kind of look at the whole picture and everybody's particular picture, then obviously whatever you want to believe. The one thing that remains a constant seed in that is that something is going on, and in relationship to the change that has to take place in order for us to survive as a human being, as well as this planet's actual life and future, we have to begin to look at whatever our evolutionary realities have been. Now... I don't go out and challenge people's religions because as far as I'm concerned, most people who follow a religious path, if they're truly living the religious scriptures of what their particular beliefs are, it always resonates them to be good people. And uh, I have been very active in interfaith for a good 30 years or better and have looked into a great number of religions. I might not agree with them. I might not even have any particular relationship of commonality with any of it, but the point is it helps me understand the people. It helps me understand what they value, and it prepares me to understand what I can prepare myself to expect. So there is a lot to be said for the actual knowledge and the respect of considering that understanding. So then we come to something new that's seeding itself in the minds of our young and in the minds of people who pursue maybe some other very narrow perspective of what humanity's role is. This is what I accept and it's how I was raised. So it definitely is part of the uh, pathways and neural pathways of my mind because then we follow our beliefs. And I was taught to respect that there's only one principle, there's only one law, and that is to respect. And that respect is always based on there is one God and in all things there is God. So when I come back to that, and I ponder with that, and I have over many restless nights in these 71 years, is ask myself, so how do I see that as a base of truth and work from there when I can go out and see such suffering and see such deeds as what we have now been hearing on our news? And then it brings up that uh, question, you know, again, then how is God in all things, you know, can we then say that there's something that creates something else other than what we consider the goodness of godliness? You know, where where does the dark side of the light come from? And if we are then, and I have many religious scholars it will come back, and we go through the whole base of the devil and Satan and all of the scriptures involved with that. But then when you trace that back far enough, it doesn't go historically back far enough to be of any particular real base of consideration. So then we have to realize there is a oneness. There is a presence of a oneness and a source that is unquestionably there. And when we seem to acknowledge that and attach ourselves to that, meaning attachment, meaning uh, maybe some kind of a ritual practice to where we continue to acknowledge it and thread it through, and weave it through how we live and what we do and make ourselves accountable to its uh, principles of goodness or whatever, it brings a stability to people. And in a world today to where religions are totally challenged, uh, people leave the churches for a lot of different reasons, and I'm not always real uh, clear that the churches are handling that in the best way, Uh you know, there definitely has been an evolution in the churches as well as in any of the other aspects of humanities day-to-day. So then when you come to that and you say, well, where do these kind of things propagate themselves? Well, then we have to look at what, what is more, maybe not so much blaming the religions as we need to look at where where is the responsibility of that. Okay, we've come to be so wrapped up in a financial economy base of what makes our world up. That, you know, we can look historically at our past and say, well, you know, mothers used to stay home with the children, okay? Father used to be the head of the household. Uh, there, there used to be a, a position and a placement of things that helped us come to a place of, of greater understanding. And then we have to look at the fact that that gets challenged, Okay and that now women wanting a sense of independence and identity have come out of the home. They're working and are very career-based uh thinkers, and they seek an identity outside of just the sense of what a mother and a wife is. People become very threatened when you begin to voice the differences in religions, and I'm not going to actually go into that any more than I have tonight. So if there's been something said that upsets you, believe me, I regret that. But at the same time, there has to be something spoken as well as covered that there are many new perspectives to look at in the realm of what we evolve to in our religious positions. So meanwhile, let's go on with, okay, What then what comes to be the explanation or at least some intelligent perspective on why all of a sudden this violence? Okay, my question, to so that would be, why not? Okay, how much more stress could be put in the life, the everyday life of people? Okay, what's going on in our school systems? What are our children being exposed to in actually seeking education, which is mandatory by law, okay? And so then we have to look at what are we doing with that and how are we personally as parents, interested in that, and how open is the educational system to actually change to where they're giving children more of the creative aspects of education instead of the very rigid and narrow perspective of what education can be. I totally, and I want all the teachers out there to hear that, I totally support that the teachers have some wonderful, innovative ideas on just how to make this come about. I think it's the system that's terribly afraid that they're at this point not going to uh, actually be able to handle whatever would come up financially or whatever the various su- times of subject is when we talk about change. It, it always comes back to issues, levies, and money. Meanwhile, the system in itself knows that it has problems that it needs to change. And, you, and as far as I'm concerned, the people who know what the changes need to be are those that are in it every day. And for me, that's the teachers and the parents. And then then the teachers and the parents have to find the middle ground that says, okay, we know in order to prepare our children for going out into the world as healthy uh, psychological parts of, of humanity, that it starts from the time that they're born and then enters into a school system. Let's just say along all those lines from birth into the school system, they're also subject to whatever the practices of our religious natures are within the family as well. So you have three aspects here that you really have to look at and say, you know, what do you know about that? And what what suggestions do you have to improve that? And as far as I'm concerned, see, I like to ask the children themselves. Ask them how they like school and how, what is the importance of school. Why did they go to school? You'd be surprised sometimes what they say. They're not always as opposed to it as you think they are like anyone to getting up every morning and going to something that isn't always fun, you know, they're going to have their attitudes and reactions to that. But then the other part of it is, is that they also feel once they're in school, that they really like what's going on and that they're learning and they're very happy to show and uh, acknowledge what they've learned and how smart they are in, in all the things that they're doing. So, I mean, children sometimes give me the answers that, you know, their parents are always shocked and say, well, I I didn't even know that they had those particular views or perspectives on it. But then again, where, where where do we want to understand? Where do we want to know what we can change? And that would be the children, okay? Then you come into the high school years as well as the college years and you start asking them as they view the world and environment around them, what do they see? What do they think? And what, what's, what's real to them and what's happening? So when we realize that what we have done now, okay, is turn around and actually put everybody in the world right now into some economic consideration or fear. And I know here in this country, there's a whole lot of just outrageous, insane stuff going on in regards to banking and money. Then we look into the global situation and what lo and behold, it's not just on this continent, it's all over. So then we start, our young people hear the news. Our young people read the papers. Our young people begin to observe and see things and they have their questions. And there isn't anybody out there willing to give them truth and direct answers. Okay, so then we have to come to saying, okay, at this point in, in any world, anywhere, okay, we're looking at the fact that there's a tremendous amount of very powerful manipulation. That that manipulation falls under the word suppression. And then you have young people who realize that they are desperately fighting for a future and that even, you know, if any of us remember who we are as young people, we suddenly realize the zealousness for life and, and the desire, the fire for creating something spectacular and exciting. And so now we have to say, okay, how are we as the adult community of this world actually looking to that, remembering those fires and those desires and wondering what's going to happen and where does it go from here? We have to allow these young people to actually be a part of the councils that look to resolving those particular problems if we're ever going to see that we really are providing a future that they want and they can live. That frustration, that craziness combined with all of the challenges of technology and everything else is there, who's really evaluating that impact on our young people? Now, let's not get caught up in the fact that these situations, you know, are still in the minority percentage of what's going on in our world. But they are so impactful, even if they're less than that 1%. You know, when you hear a situation to where this has happened, it sort of just overshadows the 100 million good things that was done that same day. So when we look at the things that we're afraid of, they seem to have more impact than the celebrating, those things which we are happy and can give good acknowledgement to. So along with the questions of what do we do and what's happening, well, what's happening let's let it be more exciting to talk about what's really good going on than the slam of the impact of what fear we can see in the fact that something that drastic has finally hit the news and has actually affected people's lives. Now, we have some people on the line that actually want to participate in some of the conversations that we've had. Could you give us your name and where you're at?
2: Hi, my name is Rosie, and I'm calling you from Kingman, Arizona.
1: All right, someplace I know how you doing?
2: I'm doing great. How are you?
1: It's real good to hear from you. so what would you like to discuss? You got some questions or you do you have I'm sure you have something to say about what we're talking about?
2: Well, I wanted to tell you this that uh a few months ago, my niece sent me an email, and she had been at a movie theater with some friends, and she saw one of those movies where they're talking about the end of the world and all of this cataclysmic stuff and she she sent me this email she was really deeply disturbed normally she's a very upbeat positive type of young woman and she was really disturbed at the message in this movie and was asking me is this true is this you know is this really what's going to happen and i told her that you know, regardless of what they're showing in the movie theaters and what's on the news that it was really important that she just stay focused on the beautiful things that she does and the beautiful way she lives and the and the loving way she is with people and I told her, just go for your life the way that you want it to be because there there's always going to be negativity and I told her it's just really important just to keep going for your dreams and accomplishing those things and i i I know that helped her, but it just really startled me to think that young people are thinking this way i can I can tell you they're not the only one
1: thinking like this, and uh you know this stuff is so impactful and 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 I question with all my heart just just what do we expect to make happen with this? you know I know. I have some beautiful and very strong friends that are clergy and in and, and different faiths, not just you know in Christianity. And um, I, I question them with this: So, what what is the backup? You know, what what do you what is the substance that you're giving to help the young people? You know, the newly coming up. Yeah. You know to where they're entering the world and all the different challenges of what it is, where do you want them to go when you're telling them that it's all coming to an end you know right where 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 do you Where do you expect them to be thinking from when you explain to them you know the revelations and and how you know the cleansing that's going to take place and all this other stuff and then of course that totally goes to. Digging in deeper and bringing the fear of guilt and wrong and all of the other things that the other emotions that feed off of that kind of stuff. So I don't have the answer, and in and, and, you know, in absolute honestness, the fact I have not found anybody else that can give me any perspective on it that in itself actually gives a positive probability to come of it. So I, I I have complete compassion for your niece going through that because I get uh, tons of young people. I actually have children, you know, different times. I'll get to talk to the children who seem to be the problem cases of schools, about, and they're all in the same place as your niece. They're saying, you know, what the hell? Why, w- why would I want to spend 12 years of my life or what part of my life is left till the end of the world studying something I'm never going to have to use anyway. And I go to to the clergy and I say, and how do you answer those questions? You know, what's your answer to that? And then they go back to giving over, you know, everything to the Lord and all of the other, you know, what I consider little cliches that just don't bring anything, no peace to a person who's that worried and scared. And the nightmares and the night trauma, uh, I recently learned that there's a tremendous amount of sleep clinics going up in different parts of the country, and then I found out that even in other parts of the world, sleep clinics are becoming very prosperous, because there's such a restlessness and a fear that people are not resting well and sleeping. Then you talk to the psychiatrist, and they tell you that that sleep deprivation is actually what starts a lot of these crazies, and so it's like, okay... It seems to me that we're like the tiger chasing its tail and just creating butter. You know what I mean, so I don't know that I have her answers, and 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 you know, I would just hope with you that you just keep assuring her of what it is that you see positive of the world. I mean, this I know that's very clear, and when I ask her you about this, they seem to get a little vague on that too that even in the scriptures that seem to promote at this time the greatest sense of the end of the world and the doom of that, I say to them, then where do we go with the scripture that says that only God knows this particular entrance of time and it will come in the blink of an eye and it will not be expected. And, I mean, I'm not quoting verbatim the scriptures, but that's exactly what the out to saying. So then where are the people coming from that's of those same particular scriptures running around saying that this is the time and the end of the world is at hand. So there's just a contradiction there. And sometimes I point that out to young people who I realize that are really at a breaking point. And I tell them, so let's just intellectually and intelligently look at this and realize that there are people who are saying things that maybe in their own being they're afraid of and that instead of really trusting the source that they preach, they have come to a conclusion from a place within themselves of weakness. And this I know, that the God that is the God of all peoples and all creation is absolute love. And the Lord preaches and has always taught us the way of peace and love and hope. And so I just tell them, hang to that. If nothing else, see it through and there's just, there's a history, you know, I don't know if anybody looks back through the religious histories, but there's a history from time to time of the same thing coming about. So, you know, how many times and how many periods or decades of life do we have this crop up to where, okay, now for sure this is the real end of the world, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I just kind of, I bring that up to them and hope that sometimes those questions give them a way to find peace and not take it so, so literally true that they begin to think of outrageous things and fear drives them over the edge that could do things as destructive as some of the things we're hearing. So I don't have those answers. I I sleep well though because I do put my trust in what I do believe in and that's a loving presence that I call God. So I, I hope that your niece does have you as her support and just keep telling her, you know, there's so many questions around all of these particular declarations that you just need to find peace in your heart with that.
2: Yes, I, thank I appreciate you.
1: that. Yes. I thank you for calling in, and uh, keep keep strong with where you're going. Thank you. <laughs> we now have another
3: caller. Hello, where are you, and could you give us your name? Hello, this is Dina, and I'm calling from Cleveland, Ohio. All
1: right, up there in the Great Lakes. It's good to hear from you, Dina.
3: Same so here. So do you have
1: something you want to contribute or some questions you want to put into tonight's discussions?
3: Well, I have a question for you. It's kind of a two-part question. I I connected in a couple minutes late, so I hope I'm not on the wrong page with you. Um, <laughs> I heard you. Not, not a chance. I heard you talking about schooling and sc- the school system. And I wondered, uh, if you could share your thoughts about homeschooling our children. I've been homeschooling my daughter for four years now. And so I'm looking for your, your input on the homeschooling our kids. And then I was also wondering, it is amazing how every time I share with people that I homeschool my daughter, almost, I'd say almost 100% of the time they ask me about are, am I not concerned about her socializing, her socialization and how she gets along with people because she's homeschooled? So I was just wondering if you could share. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I totally, totally get that. Because as I move around in the different levels of things and have actually spoke to uh, to large audiences in uh Parts of Detroit that have some very sound-based homeschooling organizations, and that seems to be a common uh, question. You know, and I and I really don't know that I know where the concerns come from, because I ask people who ask me that. So, how much experience do you have with homeschooling? And they've never. And, and if their parents, their children are not homeschooled, and if you know, and if they're more mature, they only speak of well, you know the. They, their children all graduated from school and everything, and so it's usually the people who who do not and have not had the experience of homeschooling that seems to be, you know, questioning the social maturity of children who are taught at home. Now, when I when I get deeper into questioning that, Dina, what what I've learned is that most people have read some kind of media to that has a bit of a dark nature to it, to where children are kept very uh, seclusive for various reasons or superstitions or whatever. Um, They usually are talking about groups of people whose particular thoughts are to keep their children totally closed off from other people. I mean, that's that's their goal, and obviously they can accomplish that through homeschooling. But I feel the more open base and what I've really seen as, as what the benefits of homeschooling Is where parents are making sure that the emphasis of what they want their children to actually learn is something they can give them. But then, I mean, if you look through the Internet and research all of this, there's just huge organizations of co-ops that that share in the homeschooling. So you have, you know, this cross-cultural exchange. You have social exchange that they do. And along with that, that even if you're not part of some of those particular organizational sharing bases, you know, your child still has to go out in the world. Your child goes out and plays with the neighbors. Your child goes into different programs. You know, like most of the homeschooling families I've talked to, you know, their children are in some kind of activity after the, the, you know, at the end of the day they're going and, uh, some of them are taking martial arts studies. Some of them go to libraries and are in reading groups with other yeah. children in their community. And and there's just a number of activities to where they're actually interacting with peers and siblings. And so I don't, you know, I don't know that I understand that that is or should be a concern. And, uh, you know, other than I think that people, when they hear it, if they're unfamiliar with it, you know, that's the only thing that they can go back to. I also know that a couple of friends of mine who are very, very uh, adamantly opposed to homeschooling, and are two of them are one is a counselor and one's a principal at a school, actually uses that as the threatening base of why homeschool should not be a considered, a, you know, a consideration for education. So there are people who obviously are locked into that. Proof of that, I've studied all kinds of psychological profiles and studies on children who are homeschooled and that has never been anything showed up in those studies basically they find the children are actually are motivated from a more respectful observation they don't get into the hysteria and the emotional dramas that take place when you throw children together in a playground Mm -hmm. unsupervised or one person walking around uh homeschool children don't live in the fear of having the bully pick on them at lunchtime or break time, okay? And then, you know, they don't have this strange person, this teacher of such great authority that calls them out and shows them the shortcomings in front of a whole classroom, you know? So, so a, there's a whole lot of psychological reports that shows this is a greater base of allowing the uniqueness of this child to actually undergo it's the, the uniformity that we need to have in learning math and spelling and reading and, you know, all of the true basics of what homeschooling teaches. And once you have a child that can read very well and you have a child very comfortable with mathematics, all of the particular other themes of education and all of the particular areas of education when they have the right then to choose what is of their interest level, they excel at a much faster rate than the institution of education allows them. You know, and, and, and I'm sure you've had this already as a parent who's doing homeschooling. There, there is a required number that each child has to put in on a particular subject matter. So if you have a child that can grasp that at a very fast level, they're actually held back and made to do repetitive stuff just to keep the pace because the educational board insists that there be this accumulated number of hours upon this particular need and subject. Yes. So And, and so then that child can't move at its own pace. And what I've, what I've learned and celebrated, because I've attended a lot of community uh, activities to where the, co- you know, the corporations of the co-ops that work with the homeschooling, even, you know, there's religious groups and there would be ethnic groups and then there would just be, you know, whatever what I would consider the, you know, ordinary uh, householders that are doing the homeschool. They all get together sometimes and have these acknowledgement events and stuff like that. And what you're looking at and what usually happens, and I know in the case of my own children, they were ready for high school and college at a much younger age than the children who were in the system. And I think when you look at the political reason for trying to not promote homeschooling, I think that would be it. I mean, and here's the thing: when you have, I know what I went through with my middle son is that when he learned that he could goof off all year and actually fail all year, and this this was like a one whole semester we went through this. He he actually had a friend who actually shared with him. That he just did whatever he wanted to for the whole year, and that for six weeks in the summer, he made up for a whole year's classes, and passed at, at the same level of all of his classmates at the top of class. Oh wow! So I know, and so it 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 was havoc for us okay, because our son thought that was cool, you know, okay, well then, I don't have to do all of that homework, I don't have to do all that stuff, and you know, I can do whatever I want to, and of course, it it was also in those years where there's female interest kind of kicks in for a young guy, and so, it was just a horrible year for us, and then we had to tell him, okay, it's not, and he did it, he went to summer school, and you know, even the teachers that in the summer school sessions were marveled at how fast he could take it on, get it done, and was caught up. He even got to where he was bored with summer school, and that was oh, only geez. six weeks out of the year. You know what I mean? So basically, when children learn that and they get a taste of that, or even somebody like in my case, son's case promotes that, they begin to look at that, and once they've tried it on, that's exactly what the system does. They can bring those grades up and pass, and do that makeup, and then and it was the following year. What made it hard for us is the following year we had to really stay on top of him on the day to day demand of his classroom, and then he finally said, Okay, I, I want homeschooled, you know. And then, of course, at that point, my daughter also was being homeschooled, so it was just uh, you really do have to look at the system not having the number, and I don't think, uh, unless you have. Do you have personal concerns for your daughter's social
3: level and her ability to socialize? I really don't. It but I had yeah. I've heard the question so many times I started wondering maybe I should uh inquire about the need of more socialization for her. So Do you have her
1: in special activities?
3: I do. Yeah. Yeah. Dancing. She's taking dancing. Oh
1: yeah. All right. Well, see, that's good. And and you know what I would suggest too? Just make sure that you find whatever activities at the library that you know can get her there with other children that are even going to school. And if you have any uh, art classes or particular classes that are done through some of the what I considered uh, extended classes around the college or around the high school and actually talk to some mothers and see about getting special arts classes together for crafting and other things like that. I know locally, talking to a group of about 18 mothers here in the Kingman, Arizona area, they actually get together and bring the the children, boys and girls, into the kitchen, and they have this bake-off thing that they do like on a monthly basis where each of the children get to pick a recipe of something they want to bake and so they gather all of the materials for it, and so from 9 o'clock to 4 o'clock in the afternoon, they're in the kitchen cooking and making baked goods, and I've tasted some of those baked goods. My granddaughter was doing so, and they taste pretty darn good. So it's like it really gives them a sense of application of what's real in life. You know what I mean? The, these are fantastic. the things they get credit for. Yeah, and they get credit for it through the homeschool system. So it's really hands-on what, what you're really going to have to know when you you know step out from the house and become part of your own household. So mm, I great. think it's good. I wouldn't give it up, Mom, and stay strong. Okay, they are telling me that I have a young man on that's named Steve. So, Steve, are you there? Okay, my engineer is looking startled. So that tells me, obviously, the Mr. Steve isn't there. So we'll just move on with our conversation. Okay, so basically what we want to do is realize the world and especially when we deal with the sciences of mind and what we're learning through science of what our consciousness is and exactly the support that we can say of that we are a much bigger something than the little perspective of ourselves as only a body and a mind. Okay, so when we do the body, mind and spirit thinking and actually start exploring the realities of that we come to a place to where we begin to understand that instead of blaming and criticizing that the real step into consciousness is being a part of it and understanding that you are cause and that as cause you have to be responsible and are accountable for what you think what you say and what you do And when we begin to teach that more, when we begin to accept that more, and it's not as much a threat to religions and particular perspectives that need to have that kind of heavy control on people's lives, is that then we begin to allow people to actually change the consequences of those effects and make a beautiful world. And it's that beautiful world that actually gives us the real value of what we're seeking when we seek the religious knowledge of who are we and what are we and how did it come about? Because these are the questions that we need to really be answering for our next generation and for our young people. And then when we see the terribleness of just one event out of the millions that are going on that are positive events, out of discussing today just something that hit the news and has had one really uh, horrendous impact on people, there could be a million stories. And listen, listen, Being where I'm at and the kind of data that's fed into my my particular system, there are millions of things going on where young people are doing wonderful things, helping make wells in places where people have water actually helping farmers and actually getting involved in the culture of learning to cultivate the earth and actually come and understand how things grow. And then actually seeing young people getting on board seeing a lot of the devastating situations that people suffer, and then all of a sudden we have this beautiful youth that steps forward and says we can do that and jump into it and, and make things change. So it is it is a world of where personal responsibility and participation is becoming the top excited subject. So we are moving toward getting to a better place with that. I'd like to invite uh, the listening audience to also check in to a website, and it's called ThriveMovement.com. And it actually has a tremendous amount of information that I feel when the young people of our world are questioning what can we do and will it get better and how is this going to go. But there are answers, and, and, and I like to be solution-oriented instead of discussing What's wrong? It's a matter of discussing what can we do and how can we find situations with better solutions. And I don't want to live my life being against something or making an enemy. I want to give my life and all its resources, my energy, toward what I stand for. And in doing that, sometimes you create a few wrinkles in other people's fabric. Sometimes you even find yourself standing alone. But as long as you're standing on that that is in your heart and you believe with all your heart, you never go wrong. So let's just kind of hold that, that inside each and every one of us, there are the solutions to what's going on in the world, and we need to give more attention to where those troubled areas are. But we cannot push it away or cover it up, and we cannot deny that it's there. So we simply come front with it, and we make the changes that we have to make. And that's what makes this world the wonderful opportunity of life that it is. This is Parisha. See you soon.
0: Welcome you to know what's coming up, to get information on other episodes and share your reflections and questions. You are important and you matter. Shades of life. Listen on Anchor. HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash anchor dot FM forward slash shades hyphen of hyphen life. Watch on YouTube. HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash tinyurl dot com forward slash capital S letter O capital L I F E Find out more on the blog site. HTTPS: colon forward slash forward slash shades of life sol. dot blogspot. dot com. Share your input on Facebook. HTTPS: colon forward slash forward slash www. dot facebook. dot com forward slash capital C letter O capital L I letter F letter E. dot sol. Stay tuned together as we make the difference. Expand your knowledge and you will transform your mind. Bruce H. Lipton